Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This show is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash normal and check out my latest selections and join my wine club with Wine Access, the best place to discover limited production wines from around the world. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. As predicted, last week's Sonoma podcast was a total disaster. No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> I, I got a lot out of it. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. Jim was so excited. He obviously loved your shout outs to him. And you were in a meeting, but he and I actually continued our I was our wondering text chain. what that whole chain, I couldn't catch up to it. It, it, it devolved. You know, Jim and I always devolve into, I we know. devolved and we got into like owls. And I like, know. I got down like to the end and I saw theories. a bunch of scary stuff and I was like, I can't go back. And yeah. I mean, this. it was, this it was is... a lot. At the end, it was just like, you should just write him back and say, dude, thank you for the shout out and I'll see you in and and out. But anyway, I think what's great is that mm, because, you know, I'm such a freaking research nerd that Jim said even he learned something. That's not surprising. You are a nerd, but that's why people I like listen. To dig. Yes. You know, I'm a digger. That's right. I thought that was great. And I can't believe we'd never done a Sonoma overview, but I am really glad to hear that people got something out of it. I did get, as was totally expected, some people being like, why don't you like Russian River Pinot Noir? And why do you have a problem with Sonoma Coast? And again, as I've said before, this podcast, surprise, surprise, is a factual podcast, and there's opinion completely all over it, and I've never said that it's neutral, nor have I ever said this is your study guide for any exam. I've never said that I am completely neutral. I've never said I'm without opinions, and I think it would be the most boring podcast in the entire world if I didn't actually give some guidance as to what I think. You could trust me, or you could think I'm full of crap, but in any case... There's opinion in here, and I'm yeah, never you saying know there isn't. Straight a... facts are boring. Sorry. It's very important to have straight facts. I didn't say I didn't and say I, they weren't. And it I always important. present the straight facts, right? But I'm always going to tell you what I think. Right, of them. but I'll tell you that right now. That's where the value comes in. Sorry. I think so too. Look, the wine world is too confusing, and it's too difficult without at least getting some opinion and some thought about how someone else might see it, even if you don't see it the same way. I would say that with a lot of things in the world, as long as they're factually based. So anyway. Jim, see what you've done here? Oh, you know what? Jim is the best. Yes, I know. It. Just stop. Don't abuse my friend Jim, or else I will never let you Your see him friend. again. No, I think I've taken over. Whatever, man. you got to get back out to Sonoma to I know. I, I, I Going through that, uh, the podcast last week really made me yearn for getting back out there. All right. couple things. We're going to do patron shout outs, and then we're going to get to this podcast, which I just want to say is based off of a concept from a patron. What? So, nice. yes. So this is the alternatives to series. And this was based off of somebody saying, hey, could you give me some alternatives what? to Pinot Noir? And this is alternatives to Chardonnay. So, oh, of course. Okay, nice. So let's do patron shout outs. Nico M, Eric Y, Clara G, Irina N, Matthew F, Heidi L, Yon E, Vivian W, Jonathan S, Kara D, Michael M, Jessica W, Lori L, Andrew E, David F, Ashley D, Candice Y, Orion K, 
Anastasia W. Sarah Z. Hi, Sarah. Tell Jeff I said hi. Jun I. Ken S. Thomas E. Esther G. And Barb S. Thank you all so, so much. I really appreciate your support. I'm really excited to see your names on this list and really excited to interact with you. The community is what you put into it. So a lot of the new people jump right in and that's that's exactly how to do it. Jump in on the Wednesday discussion question, on the tip on Saturday, yep. on whatever other conversation. Get right in there and come to the Hangouts and things like that. It's really great for the community. So today we are going to talk about alternatives to Chardonnay. Before we do that, I'm going to lay down some things about Chardonnay that we really just need to make sure we have in our minds while we're doing this. So alternative to Chardonnay, root beer. What? Because American Chardonnay is all tree. It tastes like trees, right? I mean, it is not all all Chateau 2 by 4. It is not all Chateau 2 by 4. Not anymore. That is an old conception. It is absolutely not true. There are some delightful Chardonnays. Santa Barbara, I think Oregon's best grape is Chardonnay. I think they make spectacular Chardonnay, frankly. I think it's better than their Pinot, as I've said before. No, I've I've said it before (laughs) and I believe it. I firmly believe it. There's some good, really good, solid Sonoma Chardonnays. There's great Chardonnay everywhere in the New World. Australia, Tasmania is quite popular right now and New Zealand. So, no, that is a misconception. But there is definitely a difference in style. And there's a few things that matter. So we'll lay down the ground rules for Chardonnay, which is that there are really four different styles of Chardonnay and a bunch in between because winemaking matters so much and wine growing matters. So let's just consider the iconic types of Chardonnay. And we'll start with Chablis. Chablis is Burgundy. The grape is native to Burgundy. It's actually native to the Macon, but in Chablis, they have Kimmeridgian chalk soils, an old sea receded. These are limestone chalky soils. Old oyster fossils are here. So you have chalky waterfall-like citrus, very high acidic green apple, wet stone, salinity type things. If you've never had Chablis, you won't believe that it's the Chardonnay grape. It is really Chardonnay, as many people say, in its purest form. In its purest form. form, sure. But it's in its purest form from the old world there because there's little or no oak. If it's oak, it's neutral oak, and it's just to take the edge off the acidity. Highly acidic and very flavorful, but yeah. in a very different way. Then you have Burgundy. Really, the Cote de Bone is where you have the most expensive and most revered Chardonnay, probably on planet Earth, definitely more than Chablis. And there you have more fruit because it's a little bit warmer, but you're still working with limestone. You have lemon notes, but here it tends more on the floral blossom side of things. You don't get those tropical flavors, but you may occasionally get some peach notes. But normally we're talking about more floral aromatics, these beautiful floral aromatics. You will find oak here, but you will also find a backbone of whetstone and chalk and minerality, similar to what you find in Chablis, but richer. The Chardonnay will be more ripe. So yes, you may notice some oak, but oftentimes the new oak is so well integrated that you won't necessarily notice the oak. You'll notice more of all of the other flavors. And fruit may not necessarily be the first thing. It may be minerals. It may be floral notes. It may be herbal notes. Then you have New World or Warmer Climate Chardonnay. This is Chardonnay with much more body and weight. 
The big difference is not actually even necessarily the flavors in a New World Chardonnay, but the feel of a Chardonnay. And even if there's no oak at all, the sun and the hang time and the soils, we just can't replicate Burgundy or Chablis, which is part of Burgundy, anywhere else. You're not going to be able to get those flavors anywhere else. You can have things that are in the essence of that. But generally speaking, in the New World, which is where we find most of the Chardonnay, Mm -hmm. frankly, you have more weight and body, higher alcohol levels, lower acidity, longer finishes, less mouth cleansing. And here is where you will find tropical fruit like banana and melon and pineapple, sometimes some real peachy apricot notes. And this is nothing to do with oak or malolactic fermentation. This is just of the grape because of the sun and the place. Hmm. Many people have to reacidify because in order to get those big flavors, you're going to have to let the grapes hang a long time. And Chardonnay has a tendency when you let it hang to have acidity drop very quickly. So how do you reacidify? You pour a bag of stuff in. Citric acid, tartaric acid. Now that's it, legal? It's legal almost everywhere. Now, if it's done well, yeah. it's just a bit of balancing. And you won't taste it, but if it's done poorly, you will you will definitely notice that the wine tastes a little bit bitter mm-hmm. or tart, overly tart. And the longevity of the wine is ruined if you overacidify. Now we'll add also on top of that malolactic fermentation, which they only do in part and almost none in Chablis. In Burgundy, they will often do partial malolactic fermentation and sometimes total malolactic fermentation. That's taking those green apple notes, which I mentioned, and changing them into more baked apple, softer notes. A byproduct of that, which many people you can actually use certain types of bacteria to promote this, is diacetyl or diacetyl, which is buttered popcorn. That is a, a byproduct. Is that the of, chemical that kills the factory workers? No. Okay. It is just a byproduct of malolactic fermentation. And if it gets boosted up from various things that the winemakers can do, they can play with temperature. They can do all sorts of things to boost that level. That's a winemaker choice. Oak is another thing. Like I've already told you, Chablis, very few people do any percentage of new oak. In Burgundy, the oak is part of the wine, but hard to say sometimes whether or not there's oak because it's such a well-combined factor. In the New World, oftentimes they're going for very toasted oak, medium plus toast barrels, Mm -hmm. where you're going to get full-on Chateau 2 by 4 That is frowned upon in most circles nowadays. That's not really the style that most people are going for. Nevertheless, the style is not, even if they could, is not going to be like Chablis or Burgundy, where you have, within reason, homogenous soils, a place where a small sea receded. You're going to get very set flavors. And you don't have the warmth, even with climate change, to be able to get banana out of Chardonnay. Sounds like you're saying totally different terroir. Very different terroir. Now, sometimes I will say, though, out of Macon, not Cote Chalonnaise, which is south of the Cote de Bone, but in Macon, you sometimes will get some of those melon notes. Hmm. That is because it's slightly warmer. They're having Mediterranean influence at that point and different soil types completely. Hmm. The fourth type after the New World, which is a real big basket, it could be a combination of so many different things, but is sparkling wine. Blanc de Blanc out of Champagne, 
out of Burgundy also. You're going to have the white of whites. Sounds redundant. It is. Well, it is <laughs> white of whites, meaning they don't use any red-skinned grapes because in Champagne and in other places, they can use Pinot Noir, Pinot mm-hmm. Munet, and those are red-skinned grapes, which you remove the skin so you get right. no color. So we can't forget about Blanc de Blanc. Winemaking, you know, I've mentioned oak and malolactic fermentation, but things also like whole bunch press, probably better for the wine, but it's expensive. It has to be hand harvested and you have to be careful with whole bunches so that you can ferment it in different ways to add more or less body, malolactic fermentation, lees stirring is another thing really, really important. Are you stirring the dead yeast cells that can add yeasty, doughy, flavors. Hmm. How often are you doing botanage, the the stirring? I use the example of Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. I don't mean to rip on them because what I think of when I think of them is the first work party that I went to of a boss of mine. Deborah Mooney loved her, went to her wedding in Ireland. She was my boss. She invited me to her party at her very fancy place in Boston in the South End. I had to pick up a wine. And at that point... Where were you on your wine journey? I was was nowhere on my wine journey. But I remember that Kendall Jackson Chardonnay was like the big wine. This was in the late 90s. And I brought it to her. She said, oh, my goodness. You know, her Irish accent... Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. Wow. Like, you know, so this was like a big deal back then. But what Kendall Jackson Chardonnay did was everything I'm talking about. Long hang time, malolactic fermentation, full malolactic with the buttered popcorn, full oak, tons of new oak, lees stirring all the time. So KJ ruined Chardonnay? Everything. No, they, no, Rombauer, I think, started oh, okay. that. <laughs> they, just, they just made it mass, mass production. You know, actually, if you taste that wine today, it's much more mild than it used to be. Hmm. But it used to be a really good example of a affordable and over oak Chardonnay because I was only making like $35,000 a year. Or so I, that was a big stretch for me because it was expensive for me sure. back then. But there's other things you can do. You can oxidize it slightly. If you age it in oak for a while, it's going to get some of those oxidized notes. Mm-hmm. The brown mm-hmm. apple, if you leave some a brown an apple cut apple out on the countertop. Oh, yeah. Yep. So yep. those are all stylistic differences. So keeping in mind that there are a lot of different styles of Chardonnay, I'm going to keep to these four buckets. Now, I know that it's someone is being like, you can't do that. There's so many different. Well, Look, if we're trying to find alternatives for you, I need to categorize these somehow. So this is how we're doing it. Okay. Remember what I said at the beginning? Yes. Opinionated? Yep. That's it. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I, I, am, I am all for you liking whatever wine you want and, and wine freedom. However, I'm going to bucketize this, as the business people bucketize like to say. It. Right? Remember when oh people used God. to say that? Yes. Let's bucketize it. Ugh. That definitely belongs on the bingo card. Okay. Chablis-style wines. So what we're looking for when we're talking about alternatives, we are looking for this steely, crisp style. You got to look for other cool climates. It really is climate, and you're looking for things that are on some limestone soils or things where you're going to get some level of acidity that's going to be really fresh. Mm -hmm. So my first one is actually a grape that used to be confused with Chardonnay. They actually thought it was Chardonnay for a really long time, and that would be Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc from Alsace. It is a very inexpensive, 
underpriced wine, and it has a lot of the characteristics of Chardonnay. So it is not over the top in terms of flavor. It has some nice green apple. You can get some minerality out of it. It has some softness to it. It has great expression in terms of some minerality sometimes. If you want something that's steelier, but still Pinot Blanc, Mm -hmm. Alto Adige Pinot Bianco would be the way to go because they are a little bit more German in style, a little more crisp, and it definitely is steelier. Like better with oysters? I think all of these wines that I'm about to recommend would be perfect with oysters. Dry Chenin Blanc. Mm -hmm. I am actually going to recommend Chenin Blanc again from another place, but here I am talking about it from the Loire and specifically from the area of Savignere. Sauvignon is frequently on our Thanksgiving table. It's dry Chenin Blanc. It is kind of steely. It's got those green apple notes. It's quite crisp, but it has some roundness and softness and some of the flavors. Now, what it will be missing is it doesn't have as much of the minerality. Definitely more of the green apple, Mm -hmm. but that steeliness is certainly there. That targeted acidity with then a roundness of the fruit which is, I think, what Chablis has. You not, know? Like, not the kind of roundness that uh, Sauvignon Blanc has. Actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because although I am going to talk about Sauvignon Blanc in a second, mm-hmm. we are going to do one of these on Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, and I should. And I want to be really clear that there's a fine line between alternatives to Chardonnay and alternatives to Sauvignon Blanc. If you look at the family tree, this is super freaking dorky. But if you look at the family trees of these two grapes... Oh, they're like kissing cousins. No, they're not. No? No. So Sauvignon Blanc is related to more aromatic grapes. Sauvignon Blanc is an aromatic. It is an aromatic grape. Chardonnay is not an aromatic grape, although some of the processes that it goes through, mm-hmm. it can become mm-hmm. aromatic, but it is less aromatic. Oh I never so, thought about that, but you're right. As I was going through and thinking about this, I really needed to think about some of the things that I would need to cross off because they really belong in the Sauvignon Blanc category. As I say this, and I think... Alsace Pinot Blanc tends to be sometimes Mm -hmm. lower in aromatics. Mm -hmm. Pinot Bianco from Alto Adige in Italy definitely does. But there will be some that are a little aromatic here. But for the most part, I am not going for pungent aromatics. You're not going to hear me talk about Riesling. You're not going to hear me talk about Albarino on this list. They belong on the Sauvignon Blanc list. I don't agree. I've seen other lists like this before, and I don't agree with that. That being said... One alternative to Chablis is Sancerre because it's on the same escarpment in the Loire Valley. We've got Champagne, Mm -hmm. you have Chablis, you have Sancerre and Puyfume there in the central vineyards of the Loire. I guess that that explains why I like Sancerre because I like Chablis. Well, I don't think that that is the, the right minera- conclusion. No, you should I mean, the minerality, that. That, I mean, they share like common <laughs> traits, they have, right? Yes, but I wouldn't say you like one because of the other. They're totally different grapes. I think that the cool climate, the baseline soil type, and the fact that the Sancerre producers tend not to overripen the grapes. So you're getting a more herbal note Maybe a little bit of grassiness, which is Mm -hmm. where it's going to diverge from Chablis. But we're not looking for the exact same grape. We're just looking for alternatives. Right. It is going to provide that same steeliness. And again, you asked about oysters. I mean, Sancerre goes just as well with oysters as Chablis does. Yeah, it does. That's right. 
We'll take a step away from the podcast to thank our sponsors this week, Wine Access Wine, A-C-C-E-S-S dot com slash normal. We'll take you to my page of picks, the wines that I love. Wine Access is where people in the wine industry go to buy wine. This is absolutely true. They tell the story behind each wine. You can learn so much by signing up for their daily emails, and you can learn even more by joining the Wine for Normal People Wine Club. Go to Wine Access and go to the Wine Club's tab. Check out the Wine for Normal People Wine Club. These are wines that I have hand-selected, things that I drink, and that I really want to show you as classic examples and interesting wines that you really can't find anywhere else. It comes four times a year. Support Wine Access as they support us and drink some fantastic wines every time you get that Wine Access box. It just emanates quality. The Wine Access team is such a group of professionals and these wines cannot be beat. Go to wineaccess.com normal to get to my page, get 10% off your first order. And if you join the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club, you'll get 10% off every order. Get on it today. Go to wineaccess.com slash normal and check out and join the Wine for Normal People Wine Access Wine Club. I'm so excited to be working with them. Also, if you are a member of Patreon, you We'll get a ton of other really special things. Like last week, we cooked a molten lava cake and did a pairing with Bonyul. And we did this all live with the patrons. We do a ton of live events. We appreciate everyone who has joined. We appreciate your support. We really could not do this podcast without the support of the patrons. So if you think the show is worth the price of one bottle of wine a year, $21 a year to support us, we would really, really appreciate it. And don't forget, wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes is where you will find all of the new classes that are listed up through April Wines of France, Cabernet Around the World, Wines of the Rhone Valley, and there will be more posted as there always are. Definitely get on them before they fill up. We have a limited number of spots just so that I can interact with everybody and answer all the questions that you have. So go to winefornormalpeople.com slash classes, sign up today, drink with me and get all your questions answered and have fun with this fantastic community. Now let's get back to the show. The other one, and again, I really think Loire is the place, if you like Chablis, to look for wines that are similar. We're talking about northern places in France and in Italy. So we've mentioned Pinot Bianco and Alsace is very far north. Loire is very far north as well. I'm thinking Muscadet as well. Now, Muscadet is interesting because it is on the Atlantic. So you get salinity there. But it has a lot of floral aromatics. It is a fairly neutral grape that is amped up with lees aging. So you get some of those bready, yeasty notes from it, but it has incredibly high acidity. And they're making it so much better these days that it's no longer this thin, very sharp wine, but something that has much more body to it. A higher quality Muscadet can be very reminiscent of a Chablis. So Loire is strong in Chablis alternatives. That answers my question. I was going to ask why there's such a negative connotation with Muscadet. It's going away. Some of them are flinty, so those are things you can get out of Chablis also. Obviously not ones I've purchased. You've never purchased Muscadet. So that's that's probably why. (laughs) 
You don't worry. The Wines of France class is coming up. And I believe, is there a Muscadet in that class? Uh, no, there's not. But so wait, there's Loire. Kind of, we'll be doing Wines of Loire soon. And Muscadet is so at wait, that. You, what's in the Wines of France class? For Loire, I believe it's the Vouvray, the Chenin. Wait, is this a Loire class or No, no, no. It's, you wines know, of, Wines of, of, France. of France. We do Alsace. We do Burgundy and Bordeaux, Rhone, all of the majors. Can I come? You know, you never come. You know? No, I, I, no, I stop in to, you do, for you the do. refill. Yeah, you come in for right? the refill. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'll be in for that one for sure. All right. Listen, there's one more wine that I want to talk about for Chablis-style wines, and that is Godeo. Godeo is from Galicia in Spain, and it's specifically excellent from the Valdoras region or Ribiera Sacra. Godeo is a fascinating grape. It, it was a hair's breadth away from extinction. And really? then it was revived by two guys who just felt very they passionately found it about in amber. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. It was a couple of vines and they revived it. Wow, now that's it's really roaring back. I just bought a spectacular Godeo from my friend Kayla at the wine feed. If you are in Raleigh or in the Triangle, go to the wine feed. Go see Kayla in Raleigh if you're in Raleigh. And if not, there's one in Durham. They've got so much stuff, great prices. But Godeo has a lot of the Chardonnay characteristics. It can be a little bit mouth-filling, but the acidity is so strong. Hmm. Comes in a lot of different styles, actually. They do oak-age it. So Godeo can actually fit into many of the categories that we're going to talk about. What I'm thinking of specifically is some of the unoaked versions which can be Chablis-like in their weight. They're a little bit lighter, but at the same time, they have these lovely aromatics. And that's one of the things I really love about Chardonnay is that it's always surprising. You have a Chablis and you say, oh, that's so steely. But then on the finish, there's this elegant roundness that it's surprising. Right. Okay. So those are my recommendations for the Chablis style. If we go into the Bourgogne style, more floral, fuller, neutral to light oak, some malolactic fermentation, usually mm -hmm. not full malolactic, still mineral driven, still that spine of minerality. Mm -hmm. The first one I'm going to start out with, Pecorino. Ooh. Off the beaten path, Italy class. We, Italy, we had that recently. Path. Yes. And Pecorino was a huge success in that class. It is from Marche or Abruzzo. And many people remarked that it is like Chardonnay. Huh. And for good reason. It is not oak-aged, but the grape has a bunch of round, floral, citrusy, apple notes, and the texture that can be similar to a Bourgogne, or it can be somewhere between the first style and the second style. Okay. So Pecorino, really interesting wine, very inexpensive also, fantastic, and great to see Marque being on the list of something because they don't export a whole lot of wine. Nice. Suave. Ooh, I love suave. I think almost everybody who tries a suave loves it, and it can actually be made with a touch of Chardonnay, although the better producers all make it with Garganica. This is from the Veneto region in Italy, and here you get roundness, softness, no oak, unless mm -hmm. it is neutral oak, but there's sometimes a slight bitterness to it. It can be floral. It can be a bit minerally. Suave is a, an old volcanic region, so you can get some of those ashy notes to it. It does, in some ways, remind one of Burgundy. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're partial to red wines, but you want to dabble in white. 
Oh, Suave we've got a bunch a of those. One. Well, Fiano is going oh, to be another oh one, God, right? Yes, I love Fiano. Fiano has that same texture. Fiano de Avellino mm-hmm. from Campania has a similar texture. One thing that Suave has a bit of this, but Fiano has hazelnut notes and almond notes. And that is different from Chardonnay. It's That's, the Nutella of wine, is what it, you're It's saying. nowhere no. close to the Nutella no. of wine. Okay. The texture, though, that smooth, soft texture without oak, but at the same time having some minerality, again, the volcanic influence can be there. I guess we can probably throw in Caricante as well, the Etna Bianco. That probably falls somewhere between the Burgonia style and the Chablis style. There's some ashiness, this kind of a hint of smokiness that I think maybe doesn't make it absolutely appropriate. Fiano is less like that. It can have more peachy characteristics sometimes, so I'll put it in here. From Portugal, I have two suggestions. One, Port. Aveso. Aveso from Vinho Verde. Okay. Now, this is going to be one you'll have to seek out. Didn't you go to Vinho Verde? I did go to Vinho Verde, and that is where I'd actually already had Aveso, but I fell in love with it. We've done a number of podcasts on Mm -hmm. Vinho Verde. Aveso is one of the grapes, one of the main grapes of some of the subregions. And in terms of weight, in terms of creaminess, in terms of apple notes, it really, really tastes like a very well-made Chardonnay. Wow. Not oaked, but the weight is perfect for a Borgonia. Do they know substitute. what they have? They do, and you know, Aveso is made Why don't by we very see few, it very frequently? few, very few producers are making varietal and shipping out varietal Vino Verde. But we need to make sure that we're supporting that so we can get more of that. There's amazing, amazing stuff out of Vino Verde. It's just a matter of access and looking for it. But Aveso is a perfect mid-weight Chardonnay alternative, as are those Lisboa blends, Ooh. especially with Fernal Peresh or Maria Gomez or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes they can have Bical in them. Those wines are incredibly inexpensive and absolutely delicious, round, soft from warmer climates. So you're going to get a little more weight. Are you going to get the oak? No, but you will get something that approximates malolactic fermentation. Mm-hmm. If it's not full mallow, there'll be some in there. And these grapes are grown in warmer climates. If you look at all of the things that I've mentioned beyond Suave, which is a bit of an anomaly because even though it is cool at night in the better Suave Classico regions, it still is a soft, round wine. Mm-hmm. These are from warmer climates. And the same thing with a white Rhone blend which I would recommend. Make sure it has a big percentage of Roussan or Marsan, or you can have 100% Roussan or Marsan if, if it's from the United States or Australia. Roussan and Marsan as the lead. I think Viognier is way too peachy. It's Acidity yep. is low, like yeah, in Chardonnay, but Viognier is not an appropriate alternative for Chardonnay lovers, in my opinion. I think it's too over the top. Mm-hmm. Chardonnay lovers generally like the fact that it's a fairly neutral grape and that a lot of it varies based on texture and terroir. Hmm. So if you really do love Chardonnay, you might like the winemaking. Is it a winemaker's grape? Well, that's what people say about it, but it's also a grape of terroir because look at this. If you have Chablis, and Burgundy, you know, Chablis and Cote de Bonne, I'm separating Chablis. I guess Chablis, if it's neutral, it's going to be influenced just as much by the terroir. But it does have flavor on its own because as we look at New World, how are you going to get banana and tropical fruit and pineapple out of this grape if not for the terroir? So I don't think it's neutral. However, it's neutral enough that you can abuse it if you want to. Okay. By okay. the way... 
Yes. If anyone's going to be in Portugal this summer, we're going to be there for a little bit. Give us a shout out. Absolutely. Right? We will be there. So we're going to be traveling a bit, but hopefully we'll be broadcasting live. We might, there, there might be an episode or two released from there. Oh, huh? there definitely will be. But I think what's exciting is that we'll also be doing patient hangouts from there. Oh, No nice. doubt. Sweet. No doubt. I always do that when I travel. I know. You know I do the patient hangouts. I had pa- joined Patreon just to have dinner with you the other night. <laughs> Um, I said that I was going to bring back Shannon Blanc and here in this medium weight style, I think New World Shannon Blanc, there is some spectacular Shannon Blanc out of California, especially Old Vine Shannon Blanc. Leo Steen, who's been on the show before, makes spectacular Shannon Blanc out of Central Coast, Sonoma. And then there's some really great stuff in Contra Costa County, Old Vine Shannon. Uh There's some stuff in Santa Barbara also. Again, you have to watch the Oak content, whether you like it or not. You just have to see what they're doing with it. South Africa also has some great stuff, especially Swartland has some old vine mm-hmm. Shannon. But I think that's a really appropriate Chardonnay alternative. Okay. The other one I'm going to recommend is Beaujolais, the Gamay grape. Really? A red. Right? That- yes. I think that the body of Gamay... And the fact that it is low in tannin and the fact that it is... Oh, Beaujolais yes, Nouveau, right. Not Nouveau, yes, yeah, not Nouveau. Be I think it is appropriate to say that Gamay, which by the way is related to Chardonnay, is a grape that could be an alternative to Chardonnay. The body and the weight are about the same, although the flavors are different. If you're looking for a refreshing red, I think Gamay is an appropriate alternative. All right, I want to so do I'm a blind that taste there. test then. And you see can put it it's... in a black glass, honestly, right, and you probably you may not know the difference. I, I'm game. Okay, we'll have to get black glasses. Okay. But yes, that's actually a common thing that some people do for fun. They'll get black glasses and put a red or you might not even be able to tell if it's a red or a white. And certain styles of Beaujolais will give you that. Now, am I telling you to get like a big style of Morgan or Moulin Avant? Mm-hmm. No. But some of the lighter styles will be perfect alternatives to Chardonnay. I'm just saying, little chill on the gamay, and you'll be good to go. I do seem highly skeptical. I just, I feel like the listeners are going to be showing up with pitchforks and torches. I can handle it. Okay. Finally, the heavier style, peachy, tropical, fuller-bodied, full oak. When you think about whites that have full oak, it's hard to find. There really aren't a lot. Some Chenin Blanc has oak, but mostly when we're thinking about oak treatments on whites, Mm -hmm. it's going to be Chardonnay. Right. There are a couple. So the first one that comes to mind is White Rioja because that absolutely is treated with oak. Now, is Vallura, which is the main grape of Macabeo, a good approximation of Chardonnay? Not necessarily, but if you like some of those oaky flavors, it might so taste it a bit... So it handles the oak in a similar way? No, I think that's the challenge, although it will taste oaky. Okay. So if you like those notes, especially the older it gets, it can be a bit more oxidized It definitely has a different texture, Mm -hmm. but White Rioja would be one place to look. Also, Chateauneuf de Pop and White Priorat could be approximations, but these oftentimes are also not aged in oak. And if Grenache Blanc is the main grape, I find that Grenache Blanc is a little bit herbal, although it's also neutral and has a soft body. Hmm. It's a little bit difficult to decide whether or not those would be good alternatives, but they can be. I mean, they're excellent, excellent wines, and they do tend on the side of not over-flavorful but more texturally oriented. 
but you won't get the oak out of them. So that's where it falls down a little bit. But those two, Chateauneuf de Pont Blanc and White Prairot, could make the grade. Okay. Fuller-bodied Semillon, especially from the Hunter Valley of Australia. Mm -hmm. And I know Australians, it's Hunter Valley. I know you say it that way. I've been schooled. Hunter. No tea. No tea. No. The problem is that, like, again, New Yorkers, we love to say every single thing except drop the R. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and add R where it doesn't belong. Well, no, that's more Boston. Area. That's Boston, though. Guess that's true. Cat. Yeah. No, we drop the R. To, uh, the R. We say R. Yeah, you replace it with a similar horrible consonant. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Just like dog <laughs> is like D A W G. Yes. Dog. Oh, Coffee. Geez. Maybe you learn that while standing online. So in New York, we all say we were waiting online for something. And so when my dad and my sister and I are together or my mom or whoever, and we say, okay, you know, I waited online for like blah, blah, blah. The other day you were on a text with my sister and me and she was talking about how the line at CVS was Mm -hmm. so bad. And she's like, I have been waiting online forever. And you said nothing. Yes, because I I can't, you guys aren't going to... You're not going to get it right. I can't and my change dad you does now. it too. Yeah, I know, but you're all wrong. It's a regionalism. Yeah, but the region is like the size of a dime. Oh my God, New York is the most populous city in the United States. Oh my God, look at the map. We it's win. so small. We win. No. It's waiting on no. e- the look, line. E- even an eight-year-old tells you, no, online is on the computer. Okay, You're you know standing what? I in am line. old school. I'm staying with my lexicon. Old school? Wrong yes. school is what All you right, are. let's finish this out. Fuller-bodied semion. So I don't know if the Hunter Valley is going to to make the grade because young semion from the Hunter Valley is more like Sauvignon Blanc. But an older semion is like an oak Chardonnay. So I guess an aged Semyon from the Hunter Valley would be a great alternative. Even though it's never seen oak, they wind up tasting like oak. It's the most phenomenal and strange and amazing thing ever. And then finally, I said I wasn't going to include things that would be crossovers to Sauvignon Blanc. There's one that I'm on the fence. If the thing that you love about the heavier Chardonnays mm-hmm. are those melon and tropical yeah, notes, right? then I would have to say that a very ripe Gruner Veltliner from mm-hmm, Austria, mm-hmm. from a warm area, would be a good substitute, but there's no oak there. Probably of these, white Rioja and aged Semillon from the Hunter Valley right. will be your best bets, but perhaps a very ripe Gruner. I could see that. Or a Prirat or Chateau Neuf de Pop if you were looking for body. Sparkling is our last category. It's really hard to find a substitute for Chardonnay. It's really hard to find a substitute for Cremant de Bourgogne or for Champagne because a lot of that is terroir-based. What, what percentage of Champagne is typically Chardonnay? It depends on the house. So everybody has a different blend right. depending yeah, on the I mean, house is style. It like, is it like 10% or 70%? It can be 50, I, it can be 70, it's that it that much can be variation, 20. really? Yes, it depends. Your house I style it was is like going... I like the backbone of it, champagne. Every, so almost every house is going to include it as a major percentage. Right. But it depends on where you're sourcing your grapes from. Okay. The bigger houses will all have a large proportion of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir with a smaller proportion of Pinot Munet. But it just depends on your house style. 
So it's hard to find a substitute for champagne or for Cremant de Bourgogne or for Francia Corta or for American sparkling wine that's using Chardonnay or Tasmanian sparkling wine that's using Chardonnay. Right. So the ideas I had are really cheating ideas. Okay. Sprite, ginger ale. I was thinking more Pellegrino. Pellegr- okay. Yeah. I was right. thinking going upstream a little bit. Right. Pellegrino. Higher end. Yeah, yeah. Perrier. Yep. No. I think we'd have to go back to the original areas that we talked about, Loire and Alsace, and use the cremants from there as alternatives to Blanc de Blanc, where you would have, for instance, Cremant de Loire is a big proportion of Chenin Blanc, although they can use Chardonnay, frankly, hmm. but it's a big proportion of Chenin. Actually, in Cremant de Loire, they require 12 months on the lees before the disgorgement period, so a lot more yeasty breadiness. And Cremant d'Alsace has Pinot Blanc as the main backbone grape, and we've mentioned that as a Chablis-style grape. Those two are what I'm thinking of. Some people would say Cava. I don't agree. Uh, I think Cava has its own essence. I agree with that. And the sooner that we start accepting that Cava is not a substitute for champagne, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think just as I think people understand Prosecco is not, then we can really respect Cava more for what it is. I think I enjoyed it more once I realized that it wasn't a substitute. If you understand that the flavors... I just appreciate it more for what it is. Right. The flavors are not the same. The technique is exactly Mm -hmm. the same. How they do it is exactly the same. But the way that they make it the places that they're growing it, a lot of the really interesting flavors out of kava, they don't map on to especially a Chardonnay sparkling. Right. That's my opinion, but I think you'd be better off with a Chenin or a Pinot Blanc or something made out of another grape where if you're really looking for an alternative and you're looking to branch out, these would be the ways to go. That's the end of my recommendation list. It's a fairly exhaustive list. It'll be in the show notes. I aim in these shows to give you some jumping off points to do exploration. If you feel very tied to one grape and you have had a hard time finding things that are similar to it. We've already done Cabernet Sauvignon. We have done Pinot Noir. And now we are doing Chardonnay. We'll do Sauvignon Blanc. We'll probably do Riesling as well. And then I'm not sure if there's anything else to say besides those main grapes. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll think about it. If you have suggestions, please feel free to let me know. You are a horizon broadener. Well, that's what I'm here for, right? right. I, that is my job. My job is to take you into the wine One shop. One step further. Not too far. No. One step at a time. But get off the little island that you're stuck on. We all get stuck on the island. And I, even if you're a wine dork and you have been on this journey on your own or with me, there's some things even on this list that you can take to the wine shop and give a try. I mean, I'm not sure how many people would be like, oh, Godeo seems like a good Chablis alternative. You might be there. You might not. Take a look. Try out these wines. Let me know what you think. And I hope that you enjoy these. Chardonnay is a beautiful and wonderful grape for its versatility. But if you get bored with it, just know there's a lot of jumping off points. I would say don't go down the aromatics path. Mm -hmm. Don't go down Viognier, Albarino, Riesling, Gruner's even a stretch, even though I did put it on the list sort of grudgingly. But go on these other paths, and I think they'll lead you to pretty interesting places. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot more diverse than I ever would have guessed. All right. Well, good luck to everybody shopping for their alternatives to Chardonnay. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.